bodies in the middle. Checks back against Carter and scores. That is atypical for the Amina Margot. Once again, another day, another podcast. This time we are on a review of the Arsenal versus Everton result. So to begin with, I am joined by Lottie. How are you? Are you <laughs> over your little party you had on Saturday? Over my party on Saturday? Uh, yeah, I suppose so. Um, I just like it was just like yeah they won. It's Crystal Palace. It's nothing special. I um, <laughs> didn't get to watch the women's game, so I'm not too like oh my god we won. I'm like okay we won. It's yeah. It's, it's, do you know what one thing I can't stand is watching a game back when you already know the score and you know when the goals are going in. It's just like there's no fun in that. But yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Other than that, you okay? I'm good, and I. Um, I am sorry. We are, as always, joined with Adam. How are you? Very well, thanks. Um, recovered from our thrilling, gripping, um, two-one win over Everton. Um, I think Lottie got the, the better share of the goals on the weekend. Um, we could have done with a few of those over at Meadow Park. Um, but a win's a win. Can't complain too much. And thankfully, all the Arsenal goals were at my end of the pitch. So it was a it was a good weekend in the end. So we'll start with some news. So at this current moment in time, the FA Cup tie against Man City has officially been greenlit for the BBC to spot the 12.30 kickoff on the 11th of February. Adam, what are your thoughts on this? I'm, I'm very disappointed because I can't go. But <laughs> but enough about me. Um, as for the game, it's it was also the TV game. It was it was the, it was the, the the prime draw when it came out the hat or the bag or however the term is nowadays. Yep, good to see it's on BBC Two. Um, obviously, spoken for for many times. The, the the broadcast deal with the FA FA Cup it needs looking at. It is very badly undercoveraged. Um, only getting one TV tie for one TV company to show live. Um, I love the BBC. And I think they do great work. I've been there plenty of other ties that do deserve a bit of airing as well. Um, I can think of some of the, the, the uh, other ties. Yeah, or on the FA Player, or as we said before, some don't even make it make it there at all. But yeah, great to see that mine also will be on TV. So even though I can't make it might be able to tune in on the secret and uh, and hopefully watch our uh, our team get to the next round. And Amanda Erster has also been in the news this time for hey hey a interview highlighting the importance of the fans and she has also been saying that they're going to be fighting for every single title so that's the WSL the FA Cup and the Conti Cup. Uh, a t- fighting talk from Amanda. This is her first season in WSL. 
what have your your thoughts been on Amanda and the fact that she's been talking so positively? I think it's, I mean, yeah, I mean, she's hardly going to say, well, you know, we're not really you know, trying. We're, we're holding back, really. We're, we're, our, feet, our feet are on the couch. We're, we're already thinking of next season. You know, trophies aren't our thing. No, it's good to see. It's good to hear. Um, and I think we've, she's, I think it's taken a bit of time, but I think she has properly settled into the team now. Um, we're starting to, uh, I think she's got a lot of love from the fans. Um, and of course, the scoring against Chelsea at Emirates Stadium will make you an instant hero, as will, of course, scoring a late winner in the Conti Cup. Um, so, yeah, we've been seeing how that's a piece of magic from her that we saw in the World Cup. It's good to see. And yeah, it's great to see she has, um, she's, she's confident that we can get a trophy this season. I certainly think we get a trophy this season. Wouldn't maybe say all of them, but I think we've got a good fighting chance, in, you know, at least getting each one. Um, and yeah, it's good to hear. Just on that then, Adam, do you think, what would you say you'd like to see being lifted? For me personally, I would quite like to see the FA Cup being lifted up at Wembley. I'd like a WSL. I'd like, I, I just think if you get the WSL, that's the big, that's the big one. I mean, there is a hierarchy when it comes to trophies. It's, it's WSL, FA Cup, Conti mm. Cup. Although we will always, I will always treasure the Conti Cup last season. Um, it was a, it was a magical, magical day out. But the FA Cup, yeah, I get that. I've only been to one women's FA Cup final and it ended disastrously. Um, I, I would like to think next time we go there, we, we have a, a better chance. Um, I mean, if we win the FA, if we beat Man City in the upcoming uh, tie, you know, that's, that's a big team out of the way. Suddenly, you never know. And um, just unfortunately, there's been this team called Chelsea that's always been in the way. But, yeah, I'd, I'd like, I'd, be, like, I'd take any trophy. But yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to see a league title be lifted at, at, lifted at Meadow Park. So as we're on the talk of games and cup games, the Conti Cup has officially been scheduled to be able to be watched for Arsenal fans on arsenal.com. 7pm kickoff. We'll talk more about that in, in a bit later on. But the fact we can actually watch these games on the website and actually them announcing it for me, even though it was this, this a little bit this, uh, late, Mm. At least it's better than no no coverage or next to nothing. Like, like for example, when we went out to Southampton, obviously me and you were there, Adam. Yeah. But had you been at home, would it, would you have been like pacing up and down trying it, to find the result? Well, no, because there was, I think there was a system where you could pay Southampton on their system to watch the, the game live, whereas Arsenal's free. So, and I do think... In some sense, it makes sense that you would have to pay Southampton with the home teams. So I would expect it to use their service. Um, it's interesting for me that it's Arsenal. It's just a away game at Reading, but Arsenal, the one doing the broadcast, which I find quite intriguing. But it's great that, however it's been done, clubs are broadcasting these games because um, I've been trying to go through past stuff. It's impossible to find group stage footage of the Conti Cup from about, I'd say, 20 give or take 2013 to I'd say 2020 that was like a seven year gap where the they the just had highlights on a YouTube channel for example and that, that would be the reason why certainly not a lot of the Arsenal games have just disappeared into void but it's really positive to see a lot of clubs basically on their own back broadcasting these games. And I think a big thing from that was the um, lockdown season when 
you know, we couldn't go to the games. And it sort of carried on from there. Um, I suppose the FA Cup only the broadcast rights. I think Conti Cup, this is something that needs to have a proper broadcaster take over. It can't just be in club streaming. It has to be, it has to be a thing where we, um, I mean, there was a recent announcement by DAZN. It talked about this new deal thing that can move through, you know, free pre-broadcast a lot of their stuff. Um, a company like them or a company like ITV, TNT, BT, um, BTT, Sky, BBC, whoever. I think some a broadcaster needs to properly pick up the Conti Cup rights, so we don't have to jump about different club streaming it, and they can tune in onto a special, a dedicated platform. And go right, I'm going to tune into Channel X or Channel Y, whatever it is, and watch the Conti Cup because it's a competition that is so distinctive and good. It deserves to be on uh, on a proper channel. And it's just one of those where it's getting to that sort of stage now where. I think we've talked about this in the past and about the broadcasting and things like that. I mean, take the FA Cup. We've talked about that. I think I've had the rant about it. <laughs> <laughs> but from one thing to another, the Arsenal are going to be playing Leicester at the Emirates 21st of April, subject to the TV rights, of course. And it also means that there is now going to be a bit of a priority window so essentially those that brought the home package or have a season ticket will have the opportunity to buy tickets uh, in their original seating and it's uh, that that is from this friday which is the 26th until the 29th which i believe is the monday sorry sorry matt it's the 25th it's from the 25th i'm sorry no Yes, oh, it's I was, 26. Sorry, ignore me. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. Getting my, I'm getting my dates wrong. I, I, I knew it was around that date, so I'm trying to figure it out. It's um, yeah. I was going to come to you, Lottie. Actually, just have this game against Leicester. It seems like a bit of a favour as well because we've been at the King Power now for a long time, and we haven't been able to do a give back, but could take this season against Aston Villa we were able to repay the favour back for them hosting us at Villa Park oh no I'm quite I'm quite excited about Leicester coming to us because they know how to play on on a full size in, I do put this in speech marks men's pitch like because it's due to the size due to the actual well men's first team pitch due to the size compared to Meadow Park and we know how to we know how to play on the Emirates I mean, we've run rings around Chelsea. Liverpool run ring ra- rings around us, and well, let's not talk about Villa. Um, but it's it's just nice to see see and give Les the opportunity to come play at our house, not just Meadow Park, but our house for the day. Um, I know I'm going to definitely be getting my my seats all together. Um, spoke to everybody. They're like, yeah, we're in. We're ready for this. So it's it's. Oh, I'm just excited to be there for an extra game. And I've now got three more games at the Emirates. I don't have to worry about getting tickets to Meadow Park. I love Meadow Park, don't get me wrong, but it's a nightmare to get tickets. I think what most excited me about this um, announcement was I was in the video stock again. <laughs> so <laughs> me me and my, my, my good friend Miles, we're kind of stuck in there now. I think uh, we were originally used for Steph Catley, but I'm quite, I'm quite, I'm feeling quite smug about that, actually. I went, oh, there's me. What's this announcement about? So yeah, no, very happy. Go on, Adam. What what have you 
had a think about this game as a as in general? I'm well. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'm a bit hesitant as well because I'm, I mean, so obviously we whenever the um, Emirates games happen, it's usually been a big team. So like the, the Chelsea games and so forth, or it's been a big event like the North London derby, and that drives a big attendance. Well, it was with Aston, a notable drop. I think came to about 30, 35, I think it was in the end. So I'm really intrigued to see kind of attendance we can generate for this Leicester game because it's not a hype fixture. So it's another experiment by Arsenal to sort of see where do where does the demand sit on the dial if it's not, you know, come watch Arsenal v Chelsea, come watch Arsenal v Man United. I also wonder what how it will affect our um, WSL campaign. At the moment, we're only three points behind Chelsea. There's a lot, lot of games still to be played. Um, we don't know what state our team is going to be in or where we are going to be. So I mean, if we're way ahead or we're behind, um, playing at the Emirates might impact that. I think back to the Liverpool game um, where we we fumbled it on the big stage. And it'd be awful if, if we if us choosing to play at the Emirates Stadium somehow does impact it because we don't have the smaller pitch like we do at Meadow Park. I... But my, my feeling is it's, it's a positive step by the club in the long term. And this is why it's all about long term thinking. It's not thinking about this season. It's thinking about the future season, because eventually we are going to have to fly the nest and we are going to have to move to Emirates Stadium full time for the WSL fixtures, because Meadow Park is just badly um, overflowing with, with it's, you know, it, it, it's, it's, the, it's under capacity. It's, it's, we're overusing it. There's too, many, there's too many, not enough fans can get into the stadium. Obviously you can't get tickets to, to go to WSL games. So long term, we need to move to Emirates Stadium, and this this um, moving to Leicester to Emirates means that more WSL games will be played at Emirates Stadium this season than at Meadow Park. It's it's flipped over. It's like a, a six-five split, and I think so Adam, would you yeah. would you take take well take the ball by the horns if if we did move all the WSL games to the Emirates, yeah. and then played the cup competitions at Meadow Park? Would you take the ball by the horns, yes or no? That's what, that's what I think we're going to do. That's, that's exactly what, how I think it's going to, it's going to fall. They, there is an issue, though, around this. I was talking to um, uh, Tim Stone about this on Twitter because he's, he's made it quite clear that there is an action issue with Emirates Stadium usage. Um, it wasn't too clear in the details, but it's like a licensing issue. There's a limit to how many events you can have at Emirates Stadium throughout the year. Um, and so Arsenal would need to arrange it somehow that the... Um, the amount of games they're playing with women, uh, women's team there, doesn't overstep this limit they have on it. I don't know if it, I don't know what the mechanics are, why why it exists and so forth. But there needs to be something in place and a framework that will allow all the WSL games to be played there. I don't think the FA Cup and Conti Cup games to be played there. They're just not at this stage of that higher profile. And also, it would obviously still allow fans to um, support the Park because people love going and standing on North Bank and bellowing and waving banners and, and so forth it still has that charm but i think um i think say next season I, I, it, you could hypothetically be we end up playing what maybe seven eight fixtures wsl fixtures maybe emirates stadium and then on top of that just until a bit you know crank a bit more until suddenly it's yep all your wsl games are at um, emirates stadium now it's a special season ticket home advantage whatever it's called to have your seat for all all the home games the season and then yeah Ponty cup FA Cup, Meadow Park. That's the way I see it going now. Okay, then. So we should really move on to the game itself. The starting 11 was actually unchanged from the game against Watford. 
Manu Sinsberger from goal, Emily Fox, Amanda Illestat, Lotta Vubin-Moy, Katie McCabe as the left-back, then a double pivot of Le- uh, Leah Velti and Victoria Palova, Beth Mead, Viv Miedema, uh, and Caitlin Ford making up the attacking midfielders with Alessia Russo up top. What were your thoughts, Adam? Um, I... I thought it was yeah, good lineup. I would have liked to see maybe a, maybe one or two. I thought changes. I thought maybe Catley might have come in, uh, maybe to start ahead of McCabe. Maybe I mean we spoke about the cast as well on the pod. But the thing is, our, our squad is on so much level that uh, um, you can you can swap you can plug and play swap players out, and you won't really affect the level. Um, and I think at the moment Jonas is prioritising continuity here. Um, Getting the um, teams, getting the team sort of gelled, so it can. Um, what's the best way to describe this? I'm sort of wondering, but it was like it was like he, he needs to keep the team the same all the way through to build up the connections that they are because they need to try and have the greater variance to attack. The problem is we've seen the low blocks. Um, Arsenal not knowing how to break down um, defenses, especially low block defenses, and I think this Jonas is saying, right, this is the team I'm going to. Uh, Build the, the foundation I'm going to build on. My, my lead striker is Russo, my number 10 is Miedemar, and we're going to get this the chemistry going right from the off. And then once we're firing and we're clicking, then maybe I can experiment and start swapping some players out. Um, so I'm not overly surprised that he he stuck with the same 11. I mean, you know, it's 11 at 151 against Watford, and you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I think there were plenty of promising signs in the attack, um, especially in that first half against Watford. I think, okay, yeah, keep playing the same 11, get them more familiar with each other's movements. Um, more minutes for Miedemar. So, yeah, on paper, it looked pretty OK. So we'll go into the first sort of action of the game, really, was Beth Mead hitting the crossbar in, in the first mm. couple of minutes. It was a lovely effort. It's just, I believe this is the third or fourth time now she's had a shot at Meadow Park and one of the first things she seems to do is hit the crossbar or hit the post. <laughs> it doesn't go in on the first attempts and just looking at it it was it's it's almost like a bit of frustration but at this point it seems to be like a bit of a pattern with Beth at the moment don't you think no I think it's just um obviously finding a finding a range you know getting like when you do those like like gathering stuff it's like you know getting your eye in you know going in the dark so kind of like where am I on the pitch what's my you know power like today my always feeling with these chances is we're creating good chances I mean, the bigger worry would be if Beth Mead wasn't in the box at all, um, or she's hitting it into the car park. You know, she's in, she's in the box. She's she's meet, we're meeting, we're getting the crosses in. She's meeting them. It's just hit the hit the crossbar. I think it, that's a, that's a technique thing. I think she should have tried to sweep towards the far post. Um, just try to you know hook it and go to the near post. It's a very difficult technique. If she could have cracked it a bit lower, then you no know, top bins, fair enough. But it was it bodes boded well um, that we were getting a. Sh- a strong chance early doors against Everton is thinking right okay front foot which is great we need to we're, we're getting the chances we just need to start you know take one of them get that early goal and then hopefully the rest should follow and that first goal didn't take long to come nine minutes in Victoria Plover pulls in across straight across and Caitlin Ford taps in nine minutes on the clock Lossie what were your thoughts it was actually a really nice goal. It was finally nice to see Caitlin on the score sheet again. Um, I mean, I don't lost. <clears throat> sorry, I've lost count how many times 
Um, she's actually attempted to get the ball in the net, but that was it was just a nice little tap in. It was it was simple. It's nothing fancy. No, nothing fancy. And this is some I do want to see a bit more from Arsenal instead of recycling all the time. Adam, you looked like you were going to say something because throughout it that was game. Just, it, Yes, so we were right behind the goal for this one. So, you know, box office view, it's fantastic. And it came from a pass that was played through for Miedemar. And we're watching it and I just, you know, we, we all want Miedemar to score. And I think it was a combination of her not quite getting the ball under a spell and the defender stepping in and, and just setting the ball. So it was a bit of a groan. You think, oh, another chance has got by. But what I really liked here was Palova and her alertness to the situation because it would have been a very easy forever to to clear and then get yourself set and ready for but get ready for the next move but Palova was quick she was quick to see what happened the loose ball and quickly convert it immediately into a chance and before the defence could sort themselves out she gets that ball whips it across the box and fair play to Paul she's cutting from the left had to race across to the centre of the goal I think the keeper I think she I think she gets caught out by the cross and the power of it I think she loses somewhat she just shows she misses the cross Four gets there sweeps it home if I'm going to be honest, I think she might actually scuff it slightly because it looks like the way she kicked it, it's actually gone into I think the side netting of the sort of the, the, of the, the far post. She's almost actually sliced it wide, but it's no, she's tucked it away. Brilliant, good to see Ford on the scoreboard. We, we mentioned the preview pods had not been on the greatest of form. Um, obviously missed the, missed the post against Spurs and missed a few as well. So good to see her on the score sheet. That will do a world of good. Um, nine minutes in, I was thinking, great. Um, that's one goal down, seven more, and we're top of the league. Um, so let's let's keep that momentum going and, and, and wrap up the goal. Unfortunately, the door wasn't kept on closing in some way, and yeah, because the door was being closed pretty uh, nicely by Everton. Essentially, Everton got themselves back into the game. Olsen uh, gets on a nice little pass in in from the midfield, and it's one ball straight through to uh, catch yes nice and nice actually converts it from the outside of the box with a first touch i didn't actually see that until i actually looked back on it yeah. and a uh, fair play to catch this nice a very, a very talented uh, international for the netherlands uh, very tall in the air she is very good with her feet as well it would do everton a well good to be able to get goals unfortunately not against us, um, <laughs> but it's, it's, nice, it's nice to be able to just convert it past Spanish Zinsberger, who was in a bit of a situation where she didn't know where she wanted to come for it. She didn't know she was, she was caught in no I was going to ask you, I'll ask you your goalkeeper's union thoughts on that. She just kind of stood there and I'm thinking, What are you doing? It, it, I think it, the problem was it all happened so fast that uh, yes. she didn't know what to mm. do, and mm. I kind of do look at it as well as I, Lotta was actually. Um, Fighting Katia Snice with for the for the for that opportunity, she just gets a little yeah. bit out muscled as well. So I was going to just go get on the map because I've watched it back, and this is it's so intelligent from from Katia, from Katia mm-hmm. Snice. If you watch it back, because what because um, it comes, I think, from the the friend that clears the ball, uh, the goalkeeper clears the ball long, and Palova heads it back towards the danger area, but it's not to any Arsenal players, and so Everton pick up the ball. Arsenal have committed. A lot of players fall to press. I think Russo would actually try to press the goalkeeper. So Arsenal pushed right up with a high line of Amanda and, and, and Lotta. Everton, very, you know, uh, with our fullbacks pushing forward, the weakness is the width. And that's why they go out to the touchline 
and then back in to get the through ball through. So, so I think it is Olsen who played the, yes. the through pass. Yeah. So they get the ball quickly to Olsen. They're on the back line. Arsenal's in full retreat. Now, all what you'll notice is all the defenders are looking at the ball. Lotta and Amanda are looking at the ball. They can see Olsen. Katja is behind Lotta. She's in her blind spot. And she waits until the pass is made and she rips around Lotta just very quickly. And Lotta is, is caught unaware. She didn't. She wasn't aware that Snoyce is behind her. And that's really good centre-forward play. Lotta should be better. She should look over her shoulder, check who's around. If she was there, and then maybe she could have stepped across. Uh, but no, she gets caught up by it. And it's it, she runs clean through. Manu's caught up by it. It's a brilliant pass. It's a brilliant run. I think she has to either commit and, and go all the way out the box and close it down. Or she has to stay on her line and wait for Snoyce and then make the move. And she sort of she does neither. She gets caught flat foot. I mean, we were watching at the other end of the pitch and we we're like, what's going on? Because you see Manu, she runs forward and then steps back. And the moment you step back, that's it. You're done. Because you, you can't do anything. You're stuck. And she didn't She didn't dive. She didn't move. She was caught out. And it's a and fair play to her because it's quite far out. It's a really good finish. It's really, to, t- to take it that early catches, catches pretty much everyone out. The keeper wasn't expecting her to take it that early and she doesn't have the time to react. And just like that, and I the lead was gone. And I think we had a few chances before then. We had a few chances before. And, it, and it's a case of not taking those chances. I think Russo had a really good one that she's sliced wide. She'd probably um, stuck home. And that was after some really nice passing with uh, Lee and Niedemar. And I was sort of like, you know, your heart sort of sang. You're thinking, oh, no, because we know Everton are no mugs. They are a decent outfit. I mean, let's, let's be fair to them. And I did think after watching them beat Boone FA Cup, I thought that Snoyce would be the danger player. And, and then so it proved. I was going to ask you about what was the atmosphere a bit like on the North End, because where I was sitting on the East stand, we were, everyone was sort of like confused as to know what, what how that has happened. And you're just thinking, oh, is it a bit of luck or is it a little bit of a clever play? And I think, Adam, you summarised it really well. Everton. I think it's really clever. I think it's really tangible for Everton by exploiting the high line and if you play the high line you have to you have to be so switched on for when those quick turns happen because it makes you vulnerable to transitions the high line allows us to push on and keep everton hemmed in so every time that everton try and clear long we got players in the halfway line we can head it back we can control it we can we can sustain the attack the moment they get that ball past the high line that's when we're in trouble um and it usually happens when we overextend on pressing when we overcommit players it happened against spurs we committed players forward spurs worked it around us Again, Everton worked the ball around us and we weren't able to recover. So, yeah, fair play to Everton that one. It was a really well-worked goal. Arsenal could have been back in front with Viv- Vivian Miedema. She collect, collected a loose ball. Essentially, it was like a, a small play, a pass back from... Oh, I've forgotten who the player is. I think it was... I'm trying to remember. I think it was Stetnovic trying, or, yeah. uh, trying to play it to Heather Payne. And it just falls a little bit loose. Fibs on the end of it. She rushes through. She she does the very Van Persie thing. And by that I mean, essentially, she runs as close to the goalkeeper as possible and tries to s- squeeze it past the goalkeeper yeah. at the near post. Lottie's looking a little bit frustrated because I've used that <laughs> that name. How dare yeah. I use that name? There was only um, one Dutch legend. <laughs> yeah, there's only that. one Dutch legend, and it's certainly only him. Sorry, <laughs> Viv. <laughs> she's not a legend yet let's just put it that way oh <laughs> she is don't even go <laughs> what well, I always say that for, this, my, my, my only <laughs> argument on this is the fact that she's still playing so she can't be a legend if she's still playing alright okay okay. Yeah. 
essentially you look so, at... So, hang on a second. So, because so, so, you're saying that, how do you describe Christine Sinclair then? She's just renewed for the Portland Fawns. I would say that she's iconic, not a legend. <laughs> right, this, this is interesting. Shall, shall, we, shall we get this back to the Arsenal? <laughs> this is a... <laughs> Right, okay. We'll have to probably talk, come back and talk about this. That's another, another pod for another time. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it, it, the, the shot itself straight at Courtney Brosnan and Brosnan. And again, another wasted chance, another opportunity that Viv could have been on the score sheet. I'd like to get both of your views on this because it seems to me like there's a... It's not like she... Um, mentally, she doesn't want to score... It feels yeah. like she's maybe had, had a reset where she doesn't want to score unless it really calls for it. Where well, like I those opportunities? She, yeah, I felt this as well. I mean, I think for Beth, her getting her comeback goal was everything. She really wanted that 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 maybe the assist or the goal, but she needed that moment uh, when she came back. And I don't think Viv minds as much, I don't, and that's not a bad thing because Viv is 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 not a her it's about the team and she just wants to play football and be a key part of that and if if it's not about her scoring all the goals it's not about her getting fit it's just about her playing football and being good for the team and we saw I think with Viv we saw in the first half some really nice touches in the centre of the park now of course where I am in the north bank we're right in the goal mouth so the visibility of it isn't great but there was a really good bit of play um I think it was the Russo um effort that she miscued badly wide she, was a, she should have tapped it in but it comes, it starts with Mead and Miedemar doing a really nice bit of interaction in the midfield. And there's like a back heel in there, there's a nice one too. Um, there was a ball, I think, pointed on that she just sort of took out of the sky with like one touch, just under control, away we go. And so there was a lot of that good stuff, sort of technical stuff in the midfield from Viv. But in terms of a, a goal or assist, um, there wasn't. Um, not to say there weren't, she wasn't playing chances, it just the, the, the goals weren't scored. But I don't think she is desperate. I mean, you can see when a player is desperate to score, you know, and they're trying everything. And and I, I, I hate to say it, but like Hertie, for example, there were times I remember when we were watching her in that Conti Cup game against Man City, you could see she, she was so desperate to score that she was missing really basic chances because she was so focused on that. I don't think Viv, Viv won't mind. Viv, it's not like she'll just play her game. And if a goal happens, it happens. I think for me personally, I think there's too much expectation on her. We know what Viv's got in her locker, and we need to remember she's coming back from an ACL. Yes. Although, and we have heavily recruited up top, and we can't, we don't need to rely on her anymore. And I think that's eased a lot of pressure off her. So mm. she she is also, I think, I think I read somewhere she prefers to help people score rather than score herself, yeah. if I remember rightly. So I don't. For me, the pressure on her to score is not on. I just want her to get back and just enjoy her time out on the pitch. That's that's what it's all about at the moment. She, she can't play a full 90 minutes. Take every minute she can get. That goal will arrive when it's when it arrives. You never know. It might, the first goal might come in the North London derby at the Emirates. That would be nice. That would be nice. Or even against Man United. That would be better. Although I'm back, back in Russo for that. Yeah. I, I think that's absolutely right. I think... I've been watching some old Arsenal games back and it's ridiculous just how much Arsenal relied on Niedermar to do everything, to score all the goals to and to set up all the other teammates. I mean, the amazing thing, we think about that, that Bristol game when we won 11-1 and Niedermar had 10 goal contributions. 
it's nuts that one player should have contributed that much to a team. And we say, oh, that was great. That's how great a player it is. How great a player she is. But that shouldn't be right. There shouldn't be that one player is contributing 10 goals because what are all the other players doing? And I think what you said about actually right. We have we've invested so much in the attack that we've got the likes of Russo and Steiner and Ford and well, we already had there for the time. Um, the cats as well. We we Miedemeyer has nowhere near the amount of um, tactical, emotional, dog contribution. The load she doesn't have that load on my shoulders anymore. And she can just I, I don't think she like for the national team. It's all about yeah, who gets the goal. But yeah, for Arsenal, she's under no, she's not under that pressure anymore. And I think we, we might see a different different side of it going forward. That she she isn't the team now. She is one of many in the team, and I think that will do a little world of good going forward. So, I have to do this, don't I? 45-plus-3 added minutes. Leah Verity, it's a long ball into the box for Beth Mead. Beth Mead, last minute of extra time, heads it into the back of the net. Arsenal go on to win 2-1. And at that moment in time, you just don't know it. But for that to happen, Beth Mead to go and score, it seems to be... Beth is contributing a lot in the in, when we need some a moment of magic. It's always Beth. You look back at um, the Aston Villa game this season. Sometimes it's not always Beth, but as you mentioned a bit earlier, I will just quickly add to this because we're going to bring on to this point now. It's Beth. Beth scored four goals in nine appearances so far. Alessia Russo scored four in eleven. Steena's got four in nine. Caden Ford's got three and eleven. Katie McKay's got three and eleven. Creda Marnham's got two and eleven. Chloe's got two and ten. Steph's got one, as well as Amanda, Victoria, and Lena. Oddly, oddly enough, Lena Hurtick has a better goal ratio because it's one in two games <laughs> this season. That's because she's only seen seen twice. Like, I don't. No offense, Lena, but that doesn't really count. If yeah, you know what I mean, you're, you're talking about a player that's consistently starts to someone who's played one or two times and then has been out injured. It's not really a comparison, if I'm honest. Yeah, I'm not I'm not trying to say that. Just, these are just the stats. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. I'm just saying, don't take it any other way. I'm just saying. So, what was, so you say, obviously, best on four goals this season in the WSL for Arsenal. Yeah. It's just the same as Russo so, and the same yeah. as Dina. Yeah. So, so that, that bodes well. So we've got a very balanced attack in that sense. And my main question, and the reason why the title of the pod was Beth Mead's on fire, or sorry, Meadows on fire, not Beth Mead, because the chart that chant should not be uh, that. No, there's no. Beth I'm Mead not, is no. for England. Meadows for the I'm Arsenal. Let's just separate. <laughs> Yet other people, tiny should, bit. everyone seems to think Mead. Uh, everyone's got a chant, and Beth Mead's on fire. It's just like no, yep. it's too long. Meadows on fire. Anyway, nice and long. That's a pod for anyway, time, yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the whole point was that. Do you, can, uh, can you expect Beth to be carrying on these sort of things where she's continuous? Yes, because mm. I mean, you look at say for England in the Euros, she she was amazing, golden boot winner. She, she had those moments, but then you look at somewhere like um, in the final against Germany, she only played sixty minutes, didn't really shine as much as others. No, I, so I think every player think... has has a moment in the game. It doesn't always have to be Beth. And it won't always be Beth. Beth, but Beth has that capacity to be 
that key moment, key, key player in the key moment. She's one of those players who can do it. Um, I would say Alessia was that against against Chelsea for us. Um, she was that key player. Um, Russo again, I would say against Aston Villa, getting the late winner. Or Lacasse against Man United. Oh, <laughs> oh did you want? Go, I was just about. Can we add Lacasse to that mix against yeah, Man United? I was United. getting there. Read my mind. I just, I just in case you forgot, that's the best um, away goal I've seen all season. But we need to have those players who step up in in the crucial moment and get the crucial goal. You know, it's um, not about getting lots of goals. It's about getting the defining goal that that turns from a point to three points, nothing to a point. And Beth has that capacity um, to take not you know to take the crucial chance and also at the crucial time. Getting an injury time at the end of the first half was it, it, it's great because you you mugged one against the opponent when they got their eye on the half time, which is a few more seconds. We're getting a half time one all, and then we can you know batten down the hatches. And it's a great point at Arsenal. And all of a sudden, the half time team talk changes. So, yeah, Beth's got it in her locker. I don't expect her to do it in every game. And I think, it, like Viv, it would be unfair to expect Beth to do it in every single game, score like, you know, 45-plus minute, 90-plus minute winners in every game. And if that is happening, something's gone badly wrong because you cannot rely on injury time interventions to win football matches. It's just not sustainable at all. Um, but, you know, when, when, you, when you're struggling a bit with your finishing, you know, you've been, dom- you've been dominating against Everton in that first half. We were a dominant side. There's a lot of chances we left out there, luck against Watford. Just the ball just wasn't going in. You need somebody to to rise and meet Velty's superb ball over the top. I mean, left-footed, right-footed, doesn't matter. Ping it straight in. Mead in off the post. Um, and then, the, um, well, certainly from the angle we were looking at, it's very weird because the keeper sort of freezes. The keeper, it comes to the post, and I think she's trying to protest on an offside or, 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 or mm-hmm. some kind of exclamation. And because of that, the ball just whizzes straight past her into the net. It, it's, it's very weird. You, you don't quite see it from the angle the camera's looking at because it, it looks like it flies in, but it actually goes in off the far post. Um, so there was a bit of a sort of pause. We weren't sure if it had gone in, but it did. And then um, we got a Beth Mead roar right in front of us, a full-on badge tap in front of the, the North Bank, which was really good to see. Um, and yeah, we went in 2-1 up and I thought, okay, that's good. We got the lead back and then hopefully we can, uh, I don't know, score a few more in the second half because, it, you know, it's, been nothing but, it's a mere trifle now, the second half. Lossie, just quickly then, because a lot of this seems to be the argument, someone always wants like a focal point um, to be that player in the key moments. Chelsea did have Sonka, obviously she's now got ACL, so it's now going to be a Lauren James, for example, who scored a hat-trick against Man United. Um, actually, I don't even think, I'd say Rachel Williams is Man United in the last couple of minutes and Tottenham will use both Martha Thomason um Beth England, Beth but England. yeah, I, 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 I forgot then. But is is that is that one of the things that seem irrelevant because it doesn't matter who scores as long as we score, or is yeah, it? Yeah, for me, that's that's how I feel it should be. I don't think there should be so much pressure on Beth to be be the top goal scorer. We know in past interviews, um, Viv's turned around and said Beth is teacher's pet, coach's pet. Um, I don't know if anyone's seen that, it's an absolute hilarious because Beth's just sitting there and Viv is just absolutely laying into her. It's hilarious. Um, but it, again, yes, she's starting on a regular basis. But when do you come to the point where you bench her and give Chloe a start? What well, has Steen and Blackstonio got got to do to get a start? The other day, one touch goal done, and that was that was her first touch of the game. Um, I just. I want Beth to play, but I also 
again, don't want all the pressure on her that she has to score and be that pivotal player every single game. Because we've got so much ta- talent. We score from across the pitch. And it doesn't matter who scores at this point for me, as long as we're getting the where we'll come back from a draw or we're winning the game, I'm happy. I think Stina benefits, and this is sounds quite cruel, but I think Stina does benefit from coming on fresh later in the game when the defence is tired. And I think that's one of the reasons she was so quick to score against Watford. Is that oh, no, there I was... completely agree with that, but yeah. it's just an odd start wouldn't kill her. I think if you know what I mean, just to switch it up. I think she'll start in the Quanti Cup. I think she will start that game. And we'll like, like I said earlier, yeah, like I said earlier, I know I'm doing a bit, but like I said earlier, I think Jonas is prioritising continuity to build up the, the relationship with the players. So we know he's got a bedrock of a team that is playing in the attacking ways he wants that he's been building when he's been over Portugal the team. And I think when it's up to speed, he might bring in Steen and say, right, Steen, I want you to do the same. What I'll add to that also is historically, Arsenal have been very slow starters after Christmas. You look back at some of the WSL games, we've had that one all draw at home to Chelsea and then the nil-nil away at West Ham. Oh, yeah, Birmingham City, and then uh, uh, Birmingham City, and there were some other you know, dodgy draws around there. We had the one all draw away at Reading. Um, we didn't play too well then. Um, we had, the, I think, even even when we won the on the league, we had um, I think we lost at home to really straight back for international um, the winter break. So we don't generally start well after Christmas because Christmas is great for the rest, but it also wipes out any momentum we have. And I think maybe for Jonas, he's thinking, well, I need to get two or three good wins off the bat because we've got a big March, um, February, March period coming up with the with the FA Cup, um, with some big ties at Emirates Stadium and the Chelsea game at Stamford Bridge um, and maybe some big Conti Cup ties depending on how tomorrow's game goes, uh, time recording to my game, the um, game against Reading. So I think maybe he's just prioritising a, a bit of continuity in the team to get the momentum going and the form going. And then he will start adding in the, you know, putting Steiner on instead of Russo, giving Russo some rest because he's got a bigger game coming up. Um, or bringing Lacasse in, Meads, you know, play that week, or, or play Lacasse against, I don't know, West Ham. It, it, depending on how well the team's doing, I think that's maybe the way it will go. I think I'm, I'm absolutely confident the likes of Lacasse and the likes of Steiner will get their start from the WSL. It's just, you know, they're out being patient. And just that second half, bit, unfortunately, you know, it was that was the end of the goals just that second Actually, half i've got Go one on. more question for you guys really sorry yeah. best scored the last goal of the game yeah does it count <laughs> i saw something on twitter does it count as the winning goal yes i'm sorry i could help myself <laughs> i need to get your opinion on this i saw well, this tweet I, and right, it, I, it was okay, going toe to toe with tim stillman um and yeah Adam, you could give explain because I'm upset in that line. I, I tried to wade in on this um, and, and and maybe used um, verbiage that could easily be misconstrued into something else. So I uh, stepped back a bit um, on that one. But it was a really it was a really bizarre take, and this is a classic case of don't argue with idiots on Twitter because you'll only annoy yourself and get angry and frustrated. But I broke my own rule and and paid the consequences for that, and that's on me. But the tweet itself, it was it was an argument over. Um, so, so Tim has basically stated that likes of Mr. Wall talk about sort of clutch moments and players making big contributions. So over the weekend in, in other games, Bunny Shaw and Lauren James have scored hat-tricks um, against likes of Liverpool and Man United, and they basically won the game for them. And I think there was a Brighton player, that the, ne- the name escapes me, but they, they scored a late winner against um, Bristol in uh, in their oh, 3-2 uh, win. Talent. The, talent, thank you. Thank you, Matt. Talent. And I think she's got two goals. One of them was like a 93rd, fourth-minute winner. 
and Arsenal obviously had Beth Mead coming up with a late goal in the first half to, to uh, win the game. And I think Tim put a tweet out saying those four players um, showing their worth, getting the, the crucial uh, winning goals or something on the weekend, crucial player for their team. They do this a lot, get their you know, winning goals, you know, score crucial goals, crucial times, um, winning, winning games. Which is fair enough. And a lot of them are thinking, oh, you snuck Beth Mead in there because you know, she doesn't compare to Bunny Shaw and Lauren James. You know, she's not scoring hat tricks. And like, what? It was really bizarre. And then the next follow up is the one you saw, Botty, where I was like, Beth Mead's goal was in like the 47th minute. It can hardly be called a winner. I was like, but it's a winner. It, it, it was the winning goal. It does, it's like, and I think back to last season, and this would be serious about this Sam Kerr scored the only goal in the game. To be in that Chelsea beat Man United 1 0. It was a brilliant pass from Lauren James, and Sam Kerr boiled it past Herbs. 1 0, it finished. It was a win that pretty much meant that Chelsea won the league. They beat, they beat Man United by two points. You know, that's a winner. It's the winning goal. It doesn't matter when it was scored. It doesn't matter if it's the first minute or the last minute. That was the win. Same with Beth Mead. That was a goal that made it go from a one all draw to a two. And I've seen other articles like, yeah, well, Steena, you know, second half, you know, had the ball, had the clearance over the bar and that's a bigger contribution. It's like, yeah, it's a bigger contribution. It stopped, it stopped us losing the game, but that wasn't the argument. But unfortunately, the problem is, as everyone knows on Twitter, everyone knows ex-Formula Twitter, it's not the place for nuanced discussion and, and sense, sensible, you know, debate about football. Because it's full of some of the worst takes of football and I hold my hand up, I do a lot of them. Um, if you want decent takes, um, tune into our podcast. Forty percent of yours are bad takes. <laughs> I'll take that. I'll, the I'll, take, I'll take that. If you want decent takes, keep listening to our podcast. Where all our te- te- takes are sound and well researched. Ish. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe we just gu- know our stuff. Research not a guarantee. <laughs> Does beg the question. I think I think you're right, Adam. Essentially, if you score a goal with, um, say within twelve seconds, and that's the only goal of the game, that's a win. Walcott against QPR. We all remember 2012-13 when Walcott scored about 50, after fifty seconds against QPR, yeah. we held on for a one 0 win. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's just I I I don't understand how can you turn around and say. That. Yeah, you, you score a goal. It's, it's that if you win that game, a goal, no matter what time it comes, even if it comes in the first ten minutes of the game, it, it's it's and it wins you the game. That's it. It's not worth debating, trying to no. debate the intelligence of a discussion because there is no intelligence there. So let's just shove it to move yes. on. There is nothing to debate <laughs> whatsoever. I nearly said something that I was probably going to get me uh, banned from anything. But uh, I, I was going to talk about Reading and their and their ownerships for those. Um, but let's just move that aside because Reading are the team that we are playing in the Conti Cup. They find themselves in a fairly okayish position in the Championship. No real threat of relegation at the moment, although there is now two uh, relegation spots instead of one. It does m- mean that for them, the Conti Cup isn't really something that they're interested in doing because it's just let's get this out of the way, concentrate on the league, make sure we stay up, make sure we get that money in because uh, the ownership is a donut. Let's just call it a be, be that <laughs> to be the way. Um, but yes, the Reading are now part time. Very polite, Matt. Well done. I would have used a very much more colourful word. And yes. I think you should probably ban me from the from the pod for it. Well, I think I think we're all guilty of swearing at least once on the podcast. So, but yeah, the, the, these are issues that have been going on throughout Reading. Those that don't know, essentially, the ownership has basically just not been pouring any money. 
basically bleeding the drug, a club dry. And essentially, after Reading got relegated at the end of the last season in the WSL, they turned around and said, right, OK, because of that, you're now going part time. It, uh, it, it caused a lot of issues. It also meant that half of Reading's team that were professionals at the time have now gone on to move to other clubs. For example, Grace Maloney was at Reading. Now she's at West Ham. And it does beg the question, well, is a night like this something that they desperately need just to not just promote what's going off the pitch, but also promote the team itself to try and see that investment come through? It's it's a real shame because Reading were for so long a staple of the WSL, um, and and a staple not just because of the, the longevity in the in the in the league, but the fact that they were flying the flag for non Premier League backed, well, team that wasn't in the Premier League backing, I should say, and to see what I always thought was a very decent club, you know, from, from a men's perspective, sometimes to be in the Premier League, sometimes to be in the Championship, and yeah, a bit of a yo-yo, but usually played relatively well and you know it was always nice when it when it came up because I was like you know the 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 select sorry, select car leasing stadium um holds a lot of memories for Arsenal fans um especially appropriately in the league cup but yeah, I was looking forward to uh, uh to, to see them play again um and it's a real shame to see what's happened to the players you see them the part-time um there's been some ex-Arsenal players who end up there Dan Carter was there for a spell um well Emma not Mitchell, um, I forget what her surname is now, but um, she was there as well. I think they've both gone to LCL now to, to buy their trade. And yeah, they're just sort of drifting down to, to part-time. I think this will be a bit of a, this game will be a bit of a throwback. We were there last season, it was a game where Steven scored and Kim sadly missed that penalty and we got away with it. I think it will be a decentish crowd, but I don't think it'll be like Southampton. And I think this is a really interesting group that Southampton and Reading are two teams in the championship that are going in completely opposite directions. Southampton is a growing women's team backed by their owners. Real positive feel about it. And you felt, I mean, we all, well, me and Matt, we, we can test, we felt that on the night. There was a real positive drive with the, with the fans in there supporting the team. And they almost got the result of it. Uh, Reading, the, the, the club, the, the fans are passionate. We see the protest on the, on the, the men's game um, when they stopped the game. I don't think we're going to see a stoppage this time around. Um, but yeah, it's 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 sad. Um, hopefully we, we can get the win. Um, but I think there's a lot of Arsenal fans have sympathy with, with what the fans are going through at the moment. Lottie, what would it mean for Reading to hold this game? The fact that they were in the group. I mean, there was an opportunity for us to actually avoid the, this group altogether. We could have been playing uh, a don't mention, don't, don't mention it. Don't other, mention it. Other Champions teams. <laughs> but, no, not Champions League, but there was an opportunity to be in another group and it would have been all the London clubs, the Charlton's, the Palace, etc. Is that, and Watford as well. I Do you think Reading are kind of glad that they got Arsenal as well because it's going to be a big pull again and build up that attendance and atmosphere? Yeah, I mean, it brings in the revenue, don't get me wrong, because. The Arsenal turn up wherever we are in the country and this you can always guarantee that two to three blocks that Arsenal do get to the away fans, it will be filled and you will not be getting a ticket. Although I believe there's still tickets for Reading because it's a midweek fixture. Um, which is a bit disappointing, but I I get like like fans like myself, I'm working, there's no way I'm gonna get to Reading in time. Um, so it's 
it's good for it's good in terms of revenue for Reading. They get a little bit of income from it, but they probably won't get as much. I with this particular fixture, I don't think we'll go full strength. But if we do, uh, Reading don't have a chance. I don't think they'll feel. Yeah, we do need to. We should say we do need to win it the way things are at the moment because we couldn't get the, the clean win over Spurs. We need to win this one. Um, the other game in the group, Spurs, you, um, Southampton, they first play the day after on the Thursday. But for them, all are on the Wednesday, apart from the Spurs game on Thursday. Interesting thing about this game um, is, obviously, it's the way at Reading, um, back in their heyday, Reading almost got to the League Cup final. Um, and they would have played against Man City, and then you might have had a, a fighter's chance about it. Um, the only reason they didn't is in the semi-finals, they played Arsenal um, at their, their old um, Adams Park ground uh, at Higher Wickham. And lost because Arsenal scored two goals in the last ten minutes, and that was Reading at their best when they were, you know, take, taking names, taking, you know, you know, punching up with Davis and Goliath, you know, um, blooding a few noses. Um, we all remember that one 0 win they got over Chelsea uh, a few seasons ago when uh, when I think it was um, Rose yeah, who got the early yeah. goal, and you know, Rose got the early goal, and, and they all went, and they held out for 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 a winner, a one 0 win, winner after the fifth minute. Um, and yeah, that I don't know if the um, I don't know how big the fan turnout's going to be for the home fans. I'd hope that they've shown the numbers, but yeah, they'll get a bit of money in, but it won't be anything like. I mean, I don't think attendance is going to be like the Southampton game. I don't think I think the atmosphere will probably be a bit flatter, and I think I don't I wouldn't blame the fans if that was the case because obviously it's a bit rubbish at the moment. Um, I don't think we'll go full strength. I think we'll see the likes of the MBT and and Kadina in the defence, Sabs in goal. Um, a lot of rotation, probably starting the likes of McCass and Steena. Um, and if we and we just got to make sure we have enough to win the game, and hopefully it doesn't go like you know to penalties. Um, Reading only got two points on the board, and they're already out of the competition. And that's a shame, really. As I said earlier, they've gone from semi-finalists to um, you know completely bottoming out the group and not getting to get a win. It's sad state of affairs. So, Adam, you've kind of selected your starting eleven yeah. already. Lossie, what would your starting eleven be? Um, very, very much similar to Adam Sabs. Back line of Fox, Jen, Leo, and oh, I don't know about that left, but left back. I'm gonna put Steph Catley in there. Yeah. Um, in the middle, Kyra Cross. Victoria, maybe. And then up top, I'd start Lucas on the right. McCabe on the left. And I'd put Steena up top. I don't know why. Don't ask me who's, why. I just... who's, in, who's in the 10? Oh, Viv. So I'll keep keep playing Viv. Yeah. Just okay. I'm going to swap over Frida at 70. Like, I think it was 71 she got changed the other day. I didn't see when she got changed off the. Because, uh, what, Viv? Yeah, for the last yeah, game. But... I think it was something like the 60th, 67th, 70th minute. It was. Yeah, she was on yeah. 71 minutes for the last game I was there. So about that mark, get Frieda on. I think she's think... not fully fit yet. I think a game against Reading would be good for her. I think it was, I think we saw her influence wane a bit in the second half. I think mm-hmm. it's a, you know, she needs those match day minutes and a, and a cup tie would, would be good for her. Um, I think, yeah, give her, give her the first half. See how she's doing, uh, and just just manage her recovery. Um, like I said, the idea of me me sort of being back, fit and firing is a bit of a freak for someone like me. Demand just be cautious, 
you know, don't overstretch her. We don't need to overstretch her. We have the talent. Um, and yeah, just get get her comfortable playing football again. And if she gets a goal, even better. I should add. Do I don't we think Lynn... your midfielder not top be? Hmm? Who would your midfielder not top be? Uh, Oscar Stina. Oscar Stina, as, as I think okay. should be the one side to lead. Um, the question was, if it wasn't Viv, it would be um, Frieda in the ten. Um, because she's obviously been on the bench a bit. I was wondering maybe he did that, but I could easily see Viv starting there. And then it would be, I'd drop, I'd put Nakasa for me. It's just in a question of whether you put Ford or McCabe as the left winger. It would be a game that if Hurtig were fit, she would play and then you would rest Ford. Um, the problem is, is either way, you're going to be playing McCabe or Ford pretty much three games in a row, which isn't ideal. So, what about putting Steena out on that wing and then putting Russo up top? Yeah, but again, I think you're doing, you're playing Rousseau for probably three games in a row. I just don't I just don't see Stina as a winger personally. Um if you do play Stina, it may be Russo as a winger, maybe, but or maybe Russo as ten. I, I would I think it would be Stina leading the line and Russo coming off the bench if need be in the second half. Um as an as an alternative or as an addition. One thing I was gonna add is do we think Leah Williamson will make the bench? Me, yes. I think this is where no. she'd probably I don't think she'll make the trip to Liverpool. I think if if she was close to fitness, I think this one would be the one where he it's might. A safer, it. It's a safer game, but I think he's going to leave it. I think it will be either Liverpool or West Ham. Be and um, and, 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 and yeah. sorry, mate, what you saying? No, go on. No, that was it. I was just saying that's the game. I think. It'll <laughs> oh, be. No, no, no. I, I think we're more likely to be looking at West Ham if I'm honest with you. Yeah. Um, although I'm a bit hesitant due to Sissoko. Um, yeah, she, she's, yeah. I don't have yeah. to explain. Everybody knows how yeah, she we plays. Know. But, we know. We yeah, know. <laughs> Let's just um, say she's a bit too careless. She, yeah, she can't. She just, she does. Exactly. And I don't really fancy throwing Leah out into that kind of game, although I'm sure she can look after herself, sort of thing. I mean, it might be that Leah is on the bench at Reading, but then doesn't play at all. It's just being part of the travelling yeah. party. I mean, if she did come on, it's like the t- like like um, leading by against Bristol. It's like injury time. Uh, bring her on, get a bit of a roar from the crowd. But I, the problem is, is we uh, we now have three away games in a row. I mean, we saw what the effect Beth Mead coming off the bench against um, Aston Villa, the effect that had coming on as a home game as a return, and it, you know it won us the game. Um, I, I do wonder if you know Leah Williamson. You want to bring it back for home game. The problem is the home games coming up next are, let me check notes, Manchester City in the FA Cup and Manchester United at Emirates Stadium. Maybe I think the Conti Cup quarterfinal should we get there is before the FA Cup, me if I'm wrong. And if we get a home draw there, maybe that's where it'll fall. Um, but yeah, whatever way it's going to be a big one. I mean, that'd be interesting actually if it's a Manchester United home game at Emirates Stadium against the same team where she did her race here, albeit at the LSV. Um, that would be that be an element of full circle there. Just quickly, then, what would your uh, predictions be for this one? I'm going to go for three 0 Arsenal. I don't think it's going to be a good game, and I think it's going to be two one. Um, I'm going to take two 0 Not three two. Okay. <laughs> no, I don't think. Oh, then again, no, actually, I got. Let me take two one. Two one because because after after what I saw against Watford, mm, mm. yeah, two one. If we take chances, we could. I mean, I've been told with Reading things aren't great there with their team as well. Um, 
if we do if we take our chances and really go at them, we could rack up a decent score. The problem is we aren't going to go first choice, and it's whether the likes of Kadina and Jembiti can can keep the back door shut. And they've looked a bit flaky. And they're not going to clean sheet in the Conti Cup so far. They've conceded uh, five goals already, three against Spurs. Um, so it's one to keep an eye out for. Also, on another note, before we finish, just one of the fun things to look out for Wednesday night is who is going to finish in the runner-up spots in the group stage because it's going to be chaotic at the moment. And as things stand, uh, according to Wikipedia, uh, the top two set to go through in the runner-up table are Spurs and Sunderland. Man City are currently outside the qualification spot. It's based on points per group, points per game. It's not based on the, the points in the group uh, individually. So we we could be seeing some fun stuff happening, especially as Manchester United play Man City at the uh, at the LSV. So we That's could see a big. We like could we could see a big hit to fall at the group stage, which wouldn't be so bad for us. So just before we go, we're gonna go around and do our socials. Lossie, where can people find you? You can find me at Lottie underscore AWC on Twitter or on at VAW pod, which is the podcast's page. And Adam, where can people find you? Um, you can find me and all my um, nonsense at Adam Salter 4. And you can find me at MattLR28. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. We hope you have a good week. And we can't wait to see you for the next one. Come on, you gunners. Mm-hmm.